Yesterday Today, bringing you the best of yesterday's radio today. I'm Jake Westbrook, and by my side is my trusty ward, McLean. What is a ward, anyway? That's what you are, bud. Anyway, today we're continuing our autumnal scene as we turn the corner from summer into fall, that most wonderful of seasons. Thought it would be good, you know, after the events of the last few weeks or so. It's It's been a little odd around here, um... Yeah, for those of you concerned, by the way, our beloved producer, he, he's hes doing okay. He's going to be staying at the sanitarium for a bit, though. Uh, said it was to calm his nerves. Yeah, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't doing too well there. It was, it was kind of bad. But that aside, let's start the program with more songs of autumn. That's right, there's no nostalgia like fall-themed nostalgia. And that's what we have here today with our... What in the world is that? Sounds like the rats in our building are getting bigger. Ugh, no, look at the window. It's Sydney. He's hammering away at something. I suppose it wouldn't be yesterday today without Sydney interrupting the show. Ugh, oh, here. Sydney, what are you doing? We're trying to record the show here. Ow, hi, fellas. I'm just getting the building ready for winter. W- ready for winter? Yeah, old Jack Frost will be nipping at your nose before you know it. Yeah, got so much to do before the fall really hits. If we don't batten down the hatches around here, this old house will be like a meat locker this winter. So what does that have to do with you pounding on the walls with a hammer? Oh, I'm, I'm putting the shutters back on. Sydney, we don't have shutters. <laughs> what do you do now? Sydney, the building already has storm windows. You don't need to put shutters on them. Hey, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, buddy. You'll be thanking me when the pounding rain and driving snow come once the gales of November arrive early. Right, yeah, gales of November. Great. Well, anyway, let's get back to the music. Have a stack of 78s here to work through with Sydney. Can you stop pounding on the wall for five seconds? Sure, and I can also do away with all the fire extinguishers while I'm at it. As long as we're being safe around here. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. Gotta be done. Gotta be done. Uh, just play a record, McLean. You got it, boss. Autumn in New York Why does it seem so inviting? Autumn in New York It spells a thrill of first nighting Glittering crowds And shimmering clouds In canyons of steel They're making me Exotic lands 
It's autumn in New York It's good to live it again Autumn in New York The gleaming rooftops at sundown Autumn in New York It lifts you up when you're run down Jady Ruiz and Gady Voices Who lunch at the Ritz Will tell you that it Mighty dark so you could hardly see For the moon refused to shine Couple sitting underneath the willow tree For love they pine Our little maid was quite afraid of darkness So she said, I guess I'll go Boy began to sigh, looked up at the sky Hold the moon, his little tail of wall I'll shine on, shine on Harvest moon up in the sky I ain't had no love since January, February, July Snow time, ain't no time to stay Outdoors in the school I'll shine on Shine on harvest moon 
Whiskey is marvelous. <clears throat> you will excuse me as I have to clear my throat on occasion. Where can you be tonight? 
When the wind was green at the start of the spring When the wind was green like a living thing It was on my lips and its kiss was fair You were there When the wind was red Like a summer wine When the wind was red Like your lips on mine It caressed my face And it tossed my hair You were there Then came the fall And all of love came tumbling Stumbling down Like leaves that lost To frost and fun They were flying Crying in a brown wind Dark That the wind is white Like the swirling snow And we'll never see All the wonderful things To be C'est une chanson Qui nous ressemble Toi tu m'aimais Et je t'aimais Nous vivions tous les deux Ensemble Toi qui m'aimais Moi qui t'aimais Mais la vie sépare Ceux qui s'aiment Tout doucement 
sont faits de bruit et la mer efface sur le sable les pas des hommes Qui s'aimait tout doucement sans faire des bruits et la mer efface sur le sable les pas des mondes All right, welcome back to Yesterday Today. You just heard some fall-themed music, and we will continue our autumnal pumpkin-spiced theme with an episode of... Hey, one side there, I'm coming through. Oh, jeez, Sydney almost hit me with that... with that... Sydney, what is that? <laughs> Isn't it obvious? Oh, you city folk, you crack me up. It's a fruit picker. A, a fruit picker? Yeah, see? The pole has this basket on the end with these little claws so you can pick off apples and then they, they fall right into the... No, 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 Sydney. We we know what a fruit picker is. Why do you have one? And we already told you. I gotta get this place ready for fall. I've already shuttered the windows. Yeah, and now we can barely see without turning the lights on. I've shuttered the windows, removed the screen door, and now I'm gonna go out and pick our apples. We don't have a screen door. Yeah, that's why it didn't take me so long. Anyway, I'd better go get those apples if we want freshly baked pies and hot cider come October. Sydney, we don't have any apple trees either. What? We don't? No, we don't. Are, are you feeling okay? Uh, of course I'm feeling okay. I've never been better. You're going around treating the building like a colonial farmhouse. I thought you said you were going to stop being weird to impress Maisie. This isn't weird. Sydney, it's a little weird. No, 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 no. The whole idea behind not acting weird, as you put it, is to show Maisie I'm a responsible adult. I can't think of anything more responsible than taking care of the building before winter hits. <laughs> if anything, you guys are the weird ones. Sydney, as happy as I am that you're actually putting effort into your role as janitor, <clears throat> I don't think this is exactly necessary. What are you talking about? Of course it's necessary. These things need to be done. Sydney, you were about to pick apples off of non-existent trees. Well, well, yeah. Um, well, what are some things that need to be done around here? Glad you've asked. Actually, since you've been overanalyzing your every interaction with Maisie, you've really let things around here kind of go. Yeah, the carpets really need vacuuming, the floor needs to get mopped, uh, basically everything besides the superfluous tasks you've been doing. Superfluous? I know words. What of it? 
fellas, fellas, fellas. Mopping and vacuuming can be done at any time. I'm getting this place ready for everything Mother Nature can hit it with this winter. Hey, do we have an axe around here somewhere? An axe? What for? For firework, obviously. <laughs> Unless you want to freeze this winter, we're going to need a fire in this place. I'm thinking about three or four cords how to do the trick. Um, uh, By the way, how big is a cord? Cindy, we don't have a fireplace in this building. We don't need firewood. And if we did, I definitely wouldn't trust you with an axe. What? We don't have a fireplace? How are we going to keep this dump warm in the winter? You see that knob on the wall? Yeah. That's a thermostat. Sydney. Oh, interesting. Well, uh, do you think I could still, like, pose like I'm chopping wood while you guys take a picture of me? I'll, I'll, I'll send it to Maisie and she can see me looking all manly-like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sydney, I feel like we have this talk every week at this point. You gotta stop being so self-conscious around Maisie. How does Sydney think about being self-conscious? I'm merely trying to display the fact that I'm a strong, responsible, mature, grown man. Now, if you guys will excuse me, I have to take this wall out and install a fireplace. Alright, alright, fine. Anyway, next up on the you what? I'm taking out a wall and putting a fireplace in. Now, it might be a little tricky avoiding the uh, supporting beams, but I figure even if I knock one or three of those out, we should still be good. Sydney, what are you talking about? We just told you we have a thermostat. <laughs> thermostat shmermostat. You think everything's hunky-dory just because you plugged into the big power grid. Ooh, you bought into the system. So now Mother Nature has no dominion over you, huh? The hubris on display here is darn near comical. Maybe that thermostat is fine if a little breeze comes along, you know, the kind that makes you, oh, zip your jacket up, a little chilly. But the storm I'm preparing for is the sort of storm that freezes major maker areas. Sydney, uh, feet and feet of snow, gale force winds howling along. Oh, ah, ah, the walls of your home start to shake. Oh, the floorboards begin to groan. Frost forms on the windows, but are you scared? No, you've got your precious thermostat. That'll keep you safe from the bitter cold outside, but What's this? Oh no! That howling wind blew over a power line! That freezing coal has turned the entire town into an ice chest! There's no power! It's Nanooka the North up here! Utopia has fallen! Your one piece of security in this world turned out to be nothing more than a facade! All because you didn't have a fireplace and three or four cords of one. That's a great one-man show there, pal, but we're still not letting you tear the building down. Um, were you even listening? Not the whole building, just one little wall. Uh-huh. McLean, you hold Sydney still and keep him away from any power tools while I play a show. I always get the worst assignments around here. Yeah, that's what a life of a ward is like. Anyway, have here an episode of... Unhand me! This is madness! You're gonna be responsible for the deaths of all of us! Quiet down back there. Up next, we have an episode of a little show called Night Editor. I actually just recently found this show. It was, it was one I was not aware of, and I'm, I'm usually aware of most shows. But this is a very interesting one. The idea behind it was it was a sort of 15-minute soap opera, but aimed at men. 
the the premise was that you you kind of stood in as the audience. You were like the the editor of a big city newspaper, and and it's you know it's late at night. You're you're pouring yourself a good cup of coffee, and you just because their sponsor was Edwards Coffee, so the show is like you you're just drinking a cup of coffee in the in the back room with uh with your assistant or something, and you're just hanging around, unwinding, sharing stories of the of the news beat that. That sort of thing. I actually, I actually do like the idea. It really appeals to me. Uh, but this episode is titled Autumn Fever. So here it is. Sydney, hold still. Just sit down. Edwards, the coffee with the extra flavor left brings you Night Editor. As the presses roll, we join Hal Burdick in the Night Editor's office for another of his dramatic short stories. Tonight, the exciting human interest yarn of the fall day George Alden was tempted into a great adventure. Hal's story titled, Autumn Fever. As his jackknife sliced through the branch of a tree, he was suddenly aware of two things. Down the road, a park policeman was shouting at him, and directly in front of him was a sign, fine and imprisonment for breaking, cutting, or otherwise destroying any plants, flowers, shrubbery, or... Oh, holy smoke, now he was in for it. Right at the start of his day of fun, jail was staring him in the face. Friends, as you know, we promise that when you try Edwards coffee, you'll discover an extra flavor lift. Now, promises are fine, but I think you'll want to know why we say that Edwards coffee is blended and roasted in small batches, the careful, custom way, according to Mr. Dwight Edwards' own personal formula. Yes, the choice coffees that make up the exclusive Edwards flavor are specially blended and roasted in the special Edwards way, learned over a period of two generations. Try a pound. Discover how rich and full-flavored Edwards Coffee really is. Edwards Coffee is featured at all Safeway stores. Well, there are times when the newsroom pressure gets so great that there isn't time to go out for that mid-evening cup of coffee. But the food editor's kitchen down the corridor still offers a quick oasis. And that's where we find Hal and Bobby tonight. And sitting across the little work table from Hal, Bobby is saying... Is there such a thing as autumn fever, Hal? Huh? Autumn fever? Yeah. People say they have spring fever. Why not autumn fever? <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Well, oh, boy, you know, days like today do something to me, Hal. There's a sort of tingle in the air and the smell of leaves burning. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you feel like you want to be going places and doing things. Autumn fever, huh? Yeah, I guess that's what George Alden had a few years ago. George Alden? Who might he turn out to be? <laughs> a swell person, Bobby. Yeah, man along in his middle 60s now. Born, raised, lived all his life up in the hills of Oregon. Knows the woods as only a man who loves and understands them can know them. What's that got to do with autumn fever? Now, you pour me another cup of that good Edwards coffee, and I'll tell you the amazing story of the day he had a touch of it. Hmm. There you are, boss. So, then? Just all of a sudden and without warning, autumn had left the shaded valleys and wooded uplands of the distant countryside and stolen down into the concrete barrens of the city. Awakening in the spare bedroom of his son's apartment, George Alden was immediately aware of it. He eased his lean, muscular frame out of bed and crossed to the open window, breathing deeply. <sighs> Why, sure enough, that was no worn-out, tired city smell that came to him. That was a country fragrance, distilled of sun-ripened earth, the musky perfume of apples fattened for the cider mill, a brown stubble in the fields where quail whistled, and carpeted forest valleys where the deer fed in the moonlight. Autumn had come to the city. These past eight weeks cooped up in town had been hard on a man used to the freedom of this country, 
Three of them in a hospital, another three convalescing from his operation, the past two just resting to get his strength back. Not that his son and daughter-in-law hadn't been goodness itself to him. <laughs> Almost too watchful of him now that his strength was coming back. Hardly let him out of their sight for wanting to make him comfortable. But this morning, autumn had come to town, and he knew he had to do something about it. He dressed swiftly, grinning with boyish delight as he snapped on the fancy elastic sleeve bands his daughter-in-law had gotten him, because his shirts didn't seem to hang right when the sickness thinned him down. <laughs> that much of a concession he would make. But for the rest, this day belonged to him. He uh, excused himself from accompanying the girl on her morning shopping tour, and when she was out of the house, struck out by himself, and in time came to the big park. It wasn't like the hills, but at least he could feel dirt under his feet and the brush of leafy branches across his body, and Autumn would walk with him, not be something that blew in and out of a fourth-story apartment window. He followed the main park driveway until he came to a section that had never been improved, just allowed to grow wild. From a maple tree... A butcher bird spoke a raspy greeting, and he looked up at it, smiling. Hmm. Sassy as a deep old lunch counter girl talking to a drummer, aren't you? If I had my little twenty-two, I'd dust your pesky feathers for you, you robber. His smile widened, and he took a jackknife from his pocket. Its keen blade bit through the branch of a shrub. Nothing like whittling to keep a man's hands busy while loafing in the woods. And, uh, besides all that... Uh, he was suddenly aware of two things. Some distance down the parkway, a man in uniform was shouting at him. And second, right smack dab in front of him was a sign. Fine and imprisonment for breaking, cutting, or otherwise destroying any flowers, plants, shrubbery, or... Oh, holy smoke, now he was in for it. The park officer was hurrying toward him. Right at the start of his day of fun, he was going to find himself hustled off to jail. The smile tightened on his lips. No, sir, by gum, he wasn't going to give up that easy. If all the years he'd spent in the woods didn't make him smarter than a city policeman, he'd like to know it. He moved swiftly off the road and into the thick cover of the woods, leaving the path after a few steps and threading his way with easy, swinging strides through the brush, doubling back toward the road for a little way, then bending his lithe body to the easy rise of a slope that led toward a deeper tangle of undergrowth. Well up the hillside, he stopped to listen, but no sound of searching footsteps came to him, only a stillness that might have been that of his beloved hill country, and chuckling softly, he sat down with his back against a tree and took out his jackknife again. He and Autumn were free to enjoy each other's company. As he sat there, whittling on the forbidden branch, completely at peace with the world, George Alden didn't know it, but he had company in his little forest hideaway, or that very soon he was to be smack dab in the middle of an exciting drama. From where he sat, he couldn't even see the abandoned old shack that once had been a powder storehouse for the park road builders, hidden in the brush of another slope across the little draw below him, or the man who was approaching it cautiously. Near the shack, this man stopped, gave a low whistle. It was answered by someone in the shack. Then he was moving toward a figure that appeared in the doorway. Yeah, it's about time you were showing up. No, no, don't get sore, Moose. I can explain. Yeah, I suppose you think I didn't mind going without anything to eat last night. Here, yeah, here, I brought you some sandwiches and stuff. You work out on that and let me do the talking. Moose, we gotta find another hideout for you, but fast. Huh? You mean the cops are caught on? It's worse than that. Monk Duffy and his mob are wise. Monk, the face of the man in the doorway paled. You, you ain't kidding, Chuck. Would I kid about a thing like that? I was on my way here with grub for you last night. They trailed me. I give them the slip, but I didn't dare come on in for fear they might pick me up again. If that's the case, I'm getting out of here right now. In daylight? Don't be crazy. Your mug is hot with every cop in town. And I'll take my chances with the cops before I will, Monk. The most I get from them is a stretch. But with Monk, it's curtains. He thinks I double-crossed him. He'll croak me without asking questions. For all we know, he may have told you here this morning. Right now, he might... 
His voice broke to a sharp silence. His fear-rounded eyes raised to the other man's face. Chuck! What was that? Yeah. Yeah, I heard it too. Sounded like... Well... Again it came to them. Overhead, an angry buzzing that clipped through the leaves of the branches and ended with a thud of something against a tree trunk. Don't try to tell me. That was a bullet. Yeah, it sure sounded like it. Get inside, Moose, and let them trap us, not me. It's Monk, I tell you. And the next one of them bullets ain't gonna miss. But it couldn't be Monk. We would have heard the gun. Would he be sap enough to shoot so every cop within 40 miles could hear him? He's got a silencer. I've seen it lots of times. He always used it. Oh, Chuck, for the love of Pete, let's get going before... Again it came, closer this time, just over their heads. The thin, angry whine, followed by a shower of leaves sifting down around them. Stooping low to screen themselves from their unseen enemy, they were dodging swiftly through the trees, while behind them something slatted against the roof of the shack, ripping a long splinter from the wood. Down the trail, running blindly, and their frantic desire to get away from those buzzing messengers of death that seemed to grow out of the very silence of the woods around them. Only a little further, then the road and Chuck's car. They pushed their speed to the last fear-maddened sprint. And then... They were stumbling to a halt as the path in front of them was blocked by the stocky figure of a man in a police uniform. For a moment, he stared at them, surprised by their sudden appearance. Instinctively, Moose raised one hand toward the bulge under his coat, but it dropped to his side again as the officer's gun jumped from the holster and lay level in his hand. Well, what do you know? (laughs) Am I seeing things? Or is it really Moose Kramer and Chuck Dengue? He moved toward them, grinning widely. Well, imagine you two boys being out for a stroll in the park. And won't the precinct captain be pleased? (sighs) Allow me to show you the way, gents. Uh, you first. In the precinct station, the captain looked from the snarling pair to the park officer. Well, now, this is the best haul in the month of Sundays, Fred. How'd you ever happen to round them up? (laughs) Well, they just ran right into my arms, captain. Yeah, I was scouting around that wooded section in the lower end of the park looking for some old geezer who was cutting shrubbery. Well, all of a sudden, who comes tearing down the path but this pair? So I gathered them in. As far as I'm concerned, the old guy can come to the park every day and cut down trees, if it'll lead me to a catch like this. Back on the hillside, George Alden eased his lean figure up from the ground. Yep, time to be heading home, he guessed. Daughter-in-law might be getting worried. Ought to be safe to leave. That policeman must have given up looking for him by now. He sighed contentedly. Hadn't been so happy since he left the hill country. Uh, not quite as much fun as sitting by that big stump on the trail above Ranch River with his Winchester across his knees, waiting for a buck to come climbing up out of the valley. But it had been peaceful and quiet. <laughs> Only sound he'd heard was a noise like someone running through the brush on the other slope. Yes, sir. If Autumn would only hang around a little while, maybe he'd come back again, bring lunch with him, and stay all day. From a tree down the slope, the butcher bird called raucously. He squinted his eyes to make it out. Yeah. <laughs> Go on and laugh, you old bandit. Before I'm through with you, you'll be singing a different tune. His eyes shifted to the object in his hand, to the clean knife marks on the stick he'd cut down by the highway, to the fancy red sleeve holders and the square of cloth cut from his handkerchief that dangled from the wood. Yes, sir. He raised his head to address the bird again. Next time, I won't be shooting all around you and missing you. I'll have me a couple lengths of rubber cut from that old inner tube in my son's garage and a chunk of leather for the pocket and buckshot instead of odds and ends of stones that don't carry true. And then I'll show you... Show you what shooting with a slingshot really is. Why, say, 
I bet I could stand off a couple of thugs with pistols. And if I had to. And now Hal has something very special to tell us about next week's Night Editor story. A couple of years ago, I told a story titled For Later Delivery, which was a letter written by a father to his son. The son he never quite got around to showing the real depths of his love. For a long time, many Night Editor friends have been asking me to repeat it. So next week, I'm going to tell it again. And I hope all of you will join us for that retelling of For Later Delivery. Good night. Be sure to listen next week at this same time to this really great human interest yarn as Hal Burdick tells it from the night editor's office. This is Bill Baldwin saying goodnight for Edwards Coffee. This is the National Broadcasting Company. All right, that was an episode of a night editor. Uh, behind the scenes here, McLean has been sitting on Sydney's chest to keep him from accessing the power tools. Uh, but uh, next up, we have a we have a we have an interesting clip of Fibber McGee. I'm I'm, I'm bringing you some uh, rarities today, guys. This is Fibber McGee and Molly, but it's not a normal episode of Fibber McGee and Molly. It's not even one of the 15-minute episodes from later on in the show. It's funny they actually had a a third format for their show after the regular half-hour series. And then the later 15-minute series, they returned in, in the late 50s, I think like 57 through 59. They did uh, bits, these like daily bits for a show called Monitor. It was sort of, uh, the idea behind this show was that it was like a magazine, like an audio magazine. And uh, Fibber, McGee, and Molly would, uh, would do little comedy bits for it, uh, the, like one to two minute bits. And then the, uh, the quote unquote episodes, like the ones you find online, are like the compilation of like that week's worth of bits. So uh, the funny thing about these is that there are sound effects, but there are no, there's no music, no music, no audience. Uh, so it's very interesting to listen to. It's a little, little different, a little different. But this is a series of fall bits that they did during one week in 1958. Is that you, McGee? It's not only me, Molly. It's me with big news. You plan to tell me about it, I suppose? The better the sooner. I was down at the pool hall, and Audie Ackerley said he drove out to Dugan's Lake over the weekend, and the leaves are all changing color. Well, that doesn't sound like terribly big news. They usually do change color at this time of the year. Yeah, but Audie says they're at their prettiest right now. I thought we might drive out and take a look at them. I think that'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Just so you promise to stay in the car and not take one of Dugan's rowboats. The way you row in circles, we might be stuck out there until the ice gets thick enough for us to walk to shore. Don't you worry, I'll stay right in the car. I just want to cast my baby blue eyes on some of the wonders of nature. Well, I'm all ready. Let's go. Well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't go into this thing half-crocked. Got to get some stuff together to take with us. We have to take the car. But I can't think of anything else. Well, I've got to take the camera for one thing. No point in going out to see Mother Nature in her gayest autumn attire without getting pictures of it. And that's what you said when you took your camera to the county fair. And all your pictures of the tents came out looking like igloos in a snowstorm. Well, I overexposed that batch a little, but I know how to do it better now. We'll stop off at... Now, let's see. I remember putting the camera in the same drawer with the thermos bottle. Where's the thermos bottle? It's in the same drawer with the camera, I suppose. Okay. Well, I'll take care of that, and you make the sandwich. Oh, McGee, couldn't we stop at a drive-in somewhere and eat? Molly, with that car we've got, people at drive-ins always think we come to pick up the garbage, and we never get waited on. Okay. I'll make some sandwiches. Good. And while you're doing that, I'll go up in the attic and get the lap rope. may get a little chilly out there, and I better take umbrellas, too, in case it starts to rain. Oh, McGee, we're not driving up the Alcan Highway. We're just going to Dugan's Lake. I know, but it can spoil the whole outing if we forget anything. 
I think it's too early to snow, but I better toss the tire chains in the back just in case. I'll also return more Toops' lawnmower in exchange for his snow shovel in case I have to dig out. Now, see, can you think of anything else? I suppose we could take crash helmets in case we get hit by a falling meteorite. That's a thought. But it's not too likely to happen on that side of the lake. I think I will take that big living room rocker, though. We may decide to get out of the car and just sit and look at the leaves for a while. Yes, dearie. You know, it's really a miracle of nature, the way leaves change color in the fall, Molly. Of course, what they go through is nothing compared to what we go through getting ready to go out and look at them. What do you think I should wear to go out and look at the fall foliage, McGee? Well, I guess you better dress pretty warm, but for Pete's sake, don't wear that old fur coat of yours. That looks too much like some of the things the state game department is having an open season on right now. All right, dearie. It'll only take me a few minutes to change. I'll be right down. Okay. Ah, there goes a good kid. She'll never make Miss America. And who cares as long as she can make pineapple upside-down cake? Hi, Mr. McGee. Oh, hello there, teeny. Hi. I didn't hear you come padding through the portals of our palatial palace. I did, though, Mr. McGee. Yes, I see. Mm-hmm. I saw you had your car parked out in the driveway, and I thought maybe you were going down to the drugstore to get some ice cream, and I thought you couldn't very well refuse to give some to a little girl who just happened to be here at the time. <laughs> Well, that's pretty sound reasoning, Teeny, but that's all built on a faulty pumice. You see, I didn't back the car out to go get some ice cream. Mrs. McGee and I are driving out to Dugan Flake to look at the foliage. Oh. Well, I guess I... Hmm? I says we're going out to look at the foliage. Leaves. Do I have to go right now? I, I didn't say leave. I said leaves. You know, the things that hang from tree limbs like they belong there. Oh. Well, you don't have to drive clear out to Dugan's Lake to see leaves. We have them all over our front yard. I bet you my daddy would even let you wake them up. Teeny, let's not drag your paternal parent into the conversation so soon after I've eaten. On top of which, I don't want to rake leaves. We're going out to Dugan's Lake because the leaves are beautiful at this time of the year. They're all changing color to red and yellow and things of that nature. What makes the leaves change color at this time of the year, Mr. McGee? Well, you have to get into pretty complicated zoology to explain that, Teeny. I doubt that a moppet of your measurements would understand. I could try to get you, I bet you. Well, okay. You see, in the summertime, the leaves are filled with green stuff called chloroform. Uh-huh. That's a kind of a juice the tree manufactures. You mean like the factory where my daddy works makes boxes? Yeah, in a way. Except instead of making boxes and having your daddy get caught in the machinery, as is his habit, the tree makes chloroform to turn the leaves green. Now, do you understand that? No. Well, you will. It gets more unclear later on. Now, the point is that when we get cold weather, the chloroform freezes and turns red and yellow, and then finally turns brown. You've noticed how the leaves all turn brown eventually? Golly, no. Do you mean that every leaf in the world turns brown in the fall all by itself? Sure. Gosh, I better go tell my daddy. Tell your daddy what for? To save him a lot of work. Huh? He bought a plain wooden dining room table, and he's varnishing it. Yeah. And I want to tell him that he doesn't have to varnish the leaves because Mr. McGee said they'll turn brown by themselves. I'm going to tell him. Yeah, you tell him that. Well, McGee, the car's all loaded. I guess we're ready to go out to Dugan's Lake and look at the autumn foliage. I'm really looking forward to the drive, too. Ah, just get a load of that Crips autumn air. Makes you feel good all over, don't it? Ah, it is invigorating. This has always been my favorite season, you know it. 
I remember how the people back in Peoria used to notice how I'd be kind of listless all summer and then perk up as soon as it got to be autumn. I was a guy willing to tackle the toughest kind of jobs in the fall. Fall Guy McGee, I was known as in them days. <laughs> fall Guy McGee, the finest fellow who ever faced the ferocious task of field factory and farm, fabled from my fabulous faculty to flex my femurs from the unfenced fur forest of Finland to the fastidious farms of Philadelphia, fairly flying as I fearlessly offered my famous facility to fanatic fence fixers, faltering flax farmers, fantastic fault finders, fastenal fiber fasteners, ferocious fiddle fumigators, and fiery faucet factory foremen. In other words, you're trying to tell me that you did work for a living at one time. Molly, I worked so hard in my younger days that I burned myself out by the time I was 30. <laughs> and you've been sitting around ever since a mere clinker of humanity. Well, that's not quite the way I'd have phrased it, but more or less that's it. Well, come on, get in the car and let's go. Boy, I can hardly wait to see all those beautiful leaves out at Dugan's Lake. All right, dearie. I've been ready for hours, you know. Okay, we're off then. No, no, wait a minute. We may need the binoculars to see the full beauty of the foliage. Yeah. I'll go get him. I've never been able to decide what kind of a duck it is that he looks like when he runs. I think it may be a mallard. Hey, Molly. I couldn't find a deck of cards. What the Sam Hill did we want cards for anyway? It was the binoculars you went in to get, McGee, not a deck of cards. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, I'll go get him. Heavenly day. He's not only built like a sea lion, he thinks like one. Hey, Molly, I got the binoculars, but I just noticed that it's clouding up in the west. I better get our raincoats. It's a wonder he doesn't want to take a life raft in case the rain turns into a flash flood. Well, I got them. I got the raincoats. Maybe I ought to borrow more Toops' life raft. The heavy rain at this time of the year can cause a flash flood, you know. Oh, McGee, stop worrying so much and let's go. Well, there's no rush, kiddo. We may miss the autumn foliage, but... We'll be in plenty of time to see the leaves coming out next spring. I personally think they're prettier then anyway. Oh, McGee, I'm so glad that we decided to drive out in the country to look at the fall foliage. We should be getting into that hilly part around Dugan's Lake any minute now. Yeah, that's where Audie Eckerly said the leaves were especially pretty. He said they were all different shades of blue and purple. Blue and purple leaves? Well, that's what Audie said. Of course, Audie's colorblind. Instead of having blue Mondays, his are pink. That must be a terrible handicap to have. Oh, I don't know. Audie says he's gotten used to it. He even imagines he's seeing compatible color on his black and white TV set. <laughs> that saved him a couple of hundred bucks right there. Oh, McGee, look around that curve. Oh, there's a whole clump of oak trees with bright red leaves. Aren't they beautiful? Uh-huh. Say, that's a new filling station they built there at the junction there since the last time we were out this way. Hmm, it's not a very good location, I wouldn't think. There's hardly any traffic that goes past there at all. Oh, I don't think there's anything more beautiful than an oak tree in the fall. Maples just turn yellow, but oaks are bright red. Yeah. You know, if I was going to build a filling station, I'd sure check on the volume of traffic that went by first. You get a bad location, and you can't even give away the free air and water. Oh, will you look up on that hill? Aren't those sumacs? Yeah, I guess so. Say, that's a funny-looking license plate on that car up ahead of us. I'm going to try to pull closer and see what that is. Yes. Yes, they're sumacs growing in among all those elms. Oh, they are lovely. Well, I'll be darned. It's Utah. I don't think I've ever seen a Utah license around here before. I've seen Wyoming, but not Utah. We should get a beautiful view after we go around the next curve. That's where we go along the top of the bluff. Ah, oh, yes, look. Ah, oh, the whole valley is filled with beautiful colors. Wyoming license has got a picture of a cowpoke on it. 
He's sitting on top of a cow or some kind of animal. Oh, look down there, McGee. Look. Isn't that beautiful, the way the river winds through the trees? Gee, there's a billboard advertising that new chicken dinner joint out on River Bottom Road. One of the fellows at the pool hall said he got a delicious chicken dinner there. He took roast beef, though. Well, the land is beginning to flatten out along here now. I guess that's the end of the scenery. I don't usually order roast beef in a restaurant, though. The inside cuts are always too rare to suit my taste. We could go to this place and have chicken, though. That's their specialty. It's really a chicken dinner place. Of course, they have other things. Oh, I can't get over how glad I am we came, dearie. Did you ever see such beautiful foliage? Hmm? Oh, I don't know. I didn't think it was so hot myself. Hey, Molly, guess what I got? If it's the bubonic plague, don't breathe on me. No, no, it's nothing like that. It's the color pictures I took when we were out at Dugan Plake last week looking at the fall foliage. Oh, I want to see those. They should be beautiful. Yeah, well, sit down here beside me and we'll go through them. Yeah, I think I got somebody else's pictures here. This first one here is a shot of Bald Mountain. We weren't any place close to Bald Mountain. That isn't a mountain, McGee. That's a picture of your nose. Don't you remember? You got so excited that you took one picture holding the camera backwards. Oh, yeah, I do remember now. <laughs> sure. I thought this thing on the side was a volcanic crater, but I guess it's just where I cut myself shaving. This next picture has me confused. What in the world is it? That, that must be the one I took when I stumbled and hit the shutter accidentally. It's a close-up of part of my left shoe. I could have sworn it was an aerial shot of a coal barge. No, it couldn't be that. Besides, coal barge wouldn't have a broken shoelace that have been tied back together again like that. I suppose not. What's this next one? Oh, that's the one I took at the back of Dugan's head. What in the world did you take that for? Well, I wanted it to be a candid shot. Actually, I couldn't take it while he was looking at the camera. Naturally. This way, I'll be able to surprise him. He doesn't even know I took it. Say, didn't you take one of the Dugan children, too? Yeah, that's, a, that's this one here. I aimed the camera kind of low because those Dugan kids are all built so close to the ground, but that looks like I overdid it, huh? Picture just shows them from the kneecaps down. <laughs> You're the only photographer I know who seems to specialize in feet. Well, I should be getting into the ones with the foliage pretty quick here. Hmm. That next one didn't come out at all. Oh, yes, it did. That's a close-up of Dugan's black cocker spaniel sitting in the coal bin at night. Probably would have gotten better detail if my flashbulb had gone off. This last one is all brown. I wonder what that could be. Oh, that's the shot of the foliage I took through the windshield of the car. Only the sun visor seems to have gotten in the way. And so, in other words, you didn't get any pictures of the leaves at all? I guess not. Well, get your hat and coat on, Molly. Where are we going? Back out to Dugan's Lake. Only this time, when I wander through the woods, I'm going to use all of my photographic skill to get at least one picture of the trees. All right, welcome back to Yesterday Today. That's Fibber McGee and Molly thing there. About wraps us up for our fall-themed episode for today. Um, McLean, where, where's Sydney? What? He was just... I take my eyes off him for one minute. Uh, if he's demolishing the building, I'm, I'm telling their boss it was your fault. Well, I haven't heard anything, so he probably hasn't started dynamiting just yet. <laughs> hey, do you smell something terrible smelling? Uh, huh. You know, now that you mention it, it does kind of smell like something died. Hey, fellas. Smell that sweet aroma in the air? My eyes are watering. Sydney, what are you doing? <laughs> well, since you two old maids wouldn't let me get some construction going in here, I moved on to the next task of my Twitter list. What, fighting a skunk? <laughs> no! That alluring odor you two are detecting is the smell of my very own batch of fruit preserves. This stuff will keep you going all winter long. You can put it on your toaster, liven up a bowl of porridge with it. 
porridge? Yes, sir. Uh, you want to try some? I mean, granted, they, they won't actually be ready for another few months yet. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, what exactly did you preserve? Oh, well, after you pointed out that we didn't have any, uh, fruit trees, had to get a little creative, you know, went down to the grocery store and asked them about their seasonal produce, and they pointed me to their apples and the other usual suspects. Sydney, that stuff doesn't smell like any apple I've ever eaten. Oh, that's because I didn't get apples. You can get apple preserves any time, but I wanted something hearty that would get us through the cold months, and it just so happens that right now, at this very moment, we are in the absolute peak of eggplant growing season. You preserved eggplants? Yes, sir. You expect us to put these eggplant preserves on toast? <laughs> and on porridge. And in porridge. Sydney, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but those preserves are the most off-putting thing I've ever had the displeasure of sharing the same room with. Well, that doesn't really hurt my feelings. That's usually what Maisie's dad says about me, so I'm kind of used to it by now. You and the producer get along about as well as porridge and eggplant preserves would. Mm, in this scenario, am I the porridge or the eggplant? Does it really make a difference? Hmm... Yeah, Sydney, really, just get rid of that stuff, man. <sighs> Alright, well... Yeah, the smell from this jar is starting to make me a little lightheaded. Maybe some produce just wasn't meant to be preserved. Here, I'll just... I'll just chuck this whole bowl out the window. Sydney, Sydney, wait! Oh, no, no, you don't have to protect my feelings. I know this stuff rings. I'll just toss it out in the yard here. <laughs> Sydney, you put shutters over the windows, remember? <coughs> Why is that pungent? If you want more yesterday today, you can visit kisu.org or wherever you get your. <coughs> oh, oh my eyes! Oh gosh! Fine podcasts. <coughs> gotta get out of here. Oh, oh, oh feel around for the doorknob. <coughs> I think I've got it. Come on! Uh, I'm right behind you. Move it! Move it! Move it! You know, once you're around it for a while, it's not that bad. Let's have a hayride when red leaves are falling Break out the blankets and cider and cheer We'll sing the old harvest moon just like a choir Then pretty soon we'll kiss by the fire And though the fire burns away into ashes The glow of love in our hearts will burn bright And when autumn is gone still our love will live on Let's have a hayride Tonight. And though the fire burns away into ashes, the glow of love in our hearts will burn bright.